Hey mates, ladies, welcome to another Guitar Wank podcast. Happy Memorial Day. It's Memorial Day here in America. Uh, big long weekend for everyone. Uh, we salute and remember all those that have fallen in uh, military service, active military service. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal here, big day. Uh, yeah, massive respects to all those uh, that have sacrificed so much. So it's a big day here. Um, it's a big day for Guitar Wank. We have another great episode with Mr. John Sir. Thank you, John Sir, again. It uh, We've been getting lots of great feedback and people have been saying this is some of our best shows, uh, episodes, which probably not that hard to achieve. <laughs> but we really appreciate the feedback and we're so happy that you guys have been enjoying uh, the John session, the John Sir sessions, we'll call them. Uh, we had an absolute ball sitting down with John. He's such an easygoing bloke, you know, definitely a guy you could sit down and have a drink with and just shoot the shit for an hour or two, as we did. And uh, yeah, it was really great. I could sit and we're going to have to get John on again because I don't think we can leave it there. There's just, there's so many great stories we could delve into uh, with John. And uh, yeah, so many questions, but lots of fun. So here's the last part of that uh, hangout session with John. Uh, we're going to bring a lot more. I think we're going to have uh, this week, Dr. Z on Guitar Wank Extra. I think we're calling it. Uh, we had uh, Mr. Todd Sharp from Todd Sharp Amplifiers uh, last week. Um, and a lot of people were liking that. And this week, we're going to talk to Dr. Z of uh, the famous Brad Paisley and Joe Walsh and another great guy. So interesting talking to these guys. I'm, I'm really enjoying it because they've got such great stories and they're all characters and uh, it's a lot of fun to hear about if you like their products, how they came to where they're at now and all that stuff. A lot of fun. Anyway, so we'd like to thank our sponsors as usual, uh, Sir Guitar and Amps and pedals and everything else John Sir makes. Thank you so much for the support. We really, really appreciate it. Also, uh, My Music Masterclass, Wireworld Pro Audio Cables, Jimmy Dunlop, Dear Daria Guitar Strings, um, RiftMasterPro.com. What am I missing? Is that it? Oh, Sennheiser Microphones, of course. And also uh, AEA Ribbon Microphones. And just great products. Check them out if you don't know them. Uh, keep all your emails coming guitarwank at gmail.com also go to the website guitarwank.com we have a new website ladies and gentlemen finally <laughs> uh, we got we got one done so uh, big thanks to Denise for that but uh, yeah go there check it out I think we're going to have a, a blog or message board on there so you can post stuff and you know talk about stuff or abuse us publicly on there so that'll be fun Check out the new website. Uh, what else is going on? I think that's it. So uh, let's stay tuned for uh, the rest of John Sir, which was fantastic. Remember Dr. Z coming out this week. That'll come out later this week, maybe Thursday or Friday, and we'll continue with that. And uh, yeah, keep the feedback coming. We really appreciate all the support. If you feel like donating, donate. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. What do we have in store for the listeners this week? Mr. John Sir... Scotty Henderson and Bruce Foreman.
I'd, I'd say probably, you know, working, um, just the fact that I, I, Knopfler brought me in to work for, the, he did that album with Bob Dylan, and I'm not, I'm not really a huge fan of that music, but Mick Taylor was playing on it. Yeah. So I got to meet Mick Taylor, uh, Robbie and Sly were the rhythm section, and that was a hoot because they wouldn't let me tune his bass, or I had to tune his bass when he went to the bathroom, and don't let him see you tune his bass. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, just being there sitting in the control room with, you know, with Neil uh, and, you know the engineers and everything listening to all that stuff like that that was a pretty amazing moment um i you know meeting landau meeting lukather just the fact that i i was kind of you know i see lukather he gives me a hug i mean i i did nothing but listen to those starlicks videos and try right. and <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah all um, of us yeah um probably another whole another holy shit moment was uh um Eric Johnson coming into our store and just sitting there and playing before he was anybody and mm -hmm. just like going kind of like, holy shit, this guy can get around. Mm -hmm. um, Chet Atkins and Mark Knopfler jamming and Rudy's. Oh, damn. And Chet Atkins, Chet, Chet, they took two guitars off the wall. Chet Atkins is playing one of my custom guitars that was like super death metal <laughs> with a space ace finish <laughs> where I basically put uh, Pearl... I put powdered pearl on the black finish and blew it across. So it looked like comets and like with a Floyd, black Floyd Rose. Chet was playing that guitar with EMGs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this, those two jamming in the store, uh, that was wow. amazing. Um, just, I think my life has really been, um, um, I really feel grateful I've been in the right place at the right time. Steve Stevens, this wonderful guy. I always loved his playing. Great flamenco player too, mm -hmm. um, yeah. The great Scott Henderson. Just the fact that I'm working with all these people, I think uh, I I don't think I could put a word on it. It's just you know now I'm dealing with Big Wreck. I absolutely love Ian Thornley. He's just ridiculous slide player. Yeah. Um, He's awesome. Got great great really voice good. too. Great artist. So underrated. I mean that it breaks my heart that and I think the, the my whole thing about like women ruining music. It's like if you want to listen to great commercial music. Listen to Big Wreck. I mean, they just, the guy just sings live. Like, I, I don't know how he does it. Yeah, he's really good, man. He's a talented guy. Just, yeah, I don't, I, it, it breaks my heart that they're not huge here. I mean, they're big in Canada, but nobody knows who they are here. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just uh, think everything that's happened in my life has been uh, meeting my wife. You know, it's like, uh, where, where do you where do you see the guitar playing going in the future? And, and and we've talked about this on the show. A lot of amazing women players, female players, oh, yeah. are coming up. And you guys have got yeah, we've got I, the I, Brazilian girl, right? Yeah, uh, Lottie. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. She's amazing. Um, Chelsea Constable's a great guitar player. Mm -hmm. She plays a lot of Chet stuff. Really good. And her where's her she from? Says, uh, she's definitely somewhere in the south. I mean, she's got mm -hmm. the drawl. Mm -hmm. But her and her sister are, are really good. Mm -hmm. um, you should look her up. There's, there's, they do a lot of Chet, Chet Atkins kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But she also plays Van Halen. It's like <laughs> Jesus. I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot of great uh, female players. I mean, I've I, I've actually got some great female employees too that are into guitar building, which I think is really cool. That's awesome. Um, now, isn't the Brazilian blues player? One of your artists, the guy from Brazil who's really good, and, and we were talking about him because Mateus? he doesn't play that many gigs, but he does a lot of playing on Facebook. You're talking about Mateus? Oh, uh, Mateus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I had Mateus great here. Great player. Mateus is awesome. Yeah, yeah he's he great. plays with really Tori Keller. Player. 
But now he doesn't play that many gigs, right? No, or, he's Tori Kelly's guitar player. She's, you know, she's pretty so he big does, pop. He yeah. is out there playing. She, you know, yeah, he's she, doing it. She was we on the Grammys. We were talking about him, and we were saying, well, he puts a lot of videos on the internet, but we didn't know that he was out there gigging there, that there's, much. There's, there, I think they're all from Brazil, but there's, they're all together, and they're all kind of managed by the same guy who's one of our dealers. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's Lottie. And it's, um, I think her name is Basilio or Basilio or something. Yeah. Um, There's Lottie. um, There's Andre Neary. He's Uh also another great guy. Um, I think he plays with Virgil. Donati. Uh Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, they're all together. Mateus, he's with them too. And actually, I think they all moved out here. Yeah. They're all living here Mateus just lives over the back here. What's the guy, he's the guy I know you're talking about. Uh, the the guy you you I forgot what you called him the the um the, not the musician but the other guy Phil the, Phil yeah what did you call him the he's like their manager the manager okay yeah. so he's their manager so I, Phil I think is he, the guy I know he's the one that hooked me up at the clinic in um in uh, Sao Paulo when I was yeah. down there yeah okay. he's a great guy yeah too. I know Phil Phil's a nice cat yeah yeah okay but yeah they're 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 all amazing players. These Brazilian yeah. players are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's oh, another there's, there's a jazz guy. I, you probably know who he is, but he's like, wow, he's really good. He's a Bra- young Brazilian guy, and he plays mostly. He plays like a, not a three thirty five. It's more. I don't know what it is. Oh, meeting Clapton. It's a. It's a anyway, yeah, I got you know who he is. I got to know about Chico that. Chico Pinheiro. No, he. He plays finger style, and it's almost a solid body, but it's a little bit bigger than a solid body. But he's just got like this finger thing going, and he's playing these lot. He's incredible. Like a, he's kind of like the Kurt Rosenwinkel of Brazil, kind of like. I, I just wondered if you knew who he. Uh, I is. mean, maybe I do, but I. You pr- I bet that. you do, but yeah. you don't. Can't, but he's really, he's really great. Anyway, sorry. I, I you may, and Clapton that goes may, in your five. Yeah, yeah what's, I got. What I got a question. Like? Because you're because you're an amp, you amps are such a big thing. If you could name me three classic amps, not one that you built, but three that you think need to be in the Amplifier Hall of Fame that you would put in there, what would they be? Three, three, just three. Well, the Plexi. Okay. You can't. You can't, you can't the deny the Plexi. Plexi. Okay. Um, Is there a year on that? 69 i guess um they, they, they were all different that's the only problem with plexis is everyone is a little different is like 69 the, the holy grail well no i'm not going to say that because right. you never they're know you different. never know doesn't matter yeah they're, they're all a little different is plexi a short plexiglass nickname okay the nickname for I mean, the metal panel, there were metal panel okay. ones right after that, which were also cool. So, the plexiglass, but, but just, front, just that's why it's that called basic plexi. circuit, the okay. vintage Marshall four input. Okay. I mean, okay, there's one. Um, and, and I'm going to lump 50 and 100 watt together, even though they're pretty different. Okay. Um, the 410 basement, but that's also kind of like a plexi. It's just with 6L6s. So, I don't know if I can. Um, but the speaker set up, you know. It's, mm-hmm. I'm just asking a question. Uh, the John Sir Amplifier Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, 
I, I don't know if I would pick a super or a I pro. I thought you were going to say super because you've got that one that sounds so good. Yeah, man. My, my super is awesome, but Your it's got old Johnson's. Great. It's, man. It's, you've it's got a the nice best sounding, sounding super ever. And it's not it's not really that original either. It's, sure I think the baffle good. board's been replaced, and sure but the speakers good. are original. Landau wanted to buy my speakers, and I went, if you want to buy them, I'm keeping them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but I, but the funny thing is, is I don't like the super with overdrive. It's like mm-hmm. it's the hardest amp in the world to get an overdrive pedal mm-hmm. to sound good with. But if I was playing clean, yeah, super. Yeah. Um, let's see, super plexi. Uh, this, this is tough. I've had high watts. They didn't really do it for me. Voxes. I'm not a Vox guy. They're yeah. too thin for me. Yeah. Um, Maybe with pedals, I'd like them, but um, yeah, they're just—they're an odd duck to me. I here's a funny story, a quick one. I was a huge Brian May fan, just like when when the first Queen album came out, I was like, "Where the hell did this come from?" Yeah, right. It was like out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and I was listening to Kiss, and then Queen One came out, and then Keep Yourself Alive, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" I so, would say they're better than Kiss. Oh yeah, I think a little <laughs> bit. Kiss is a little bit. Well, you know, funny, funny. There, there was some good Kiss though. You know, funny there enough, was. I but, mean, but you know, know, it's like Steve Hunter played a lot of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was no, some I'm, good guitar. I, I actually like some Kiss, but yeah. Queen, man. Jesus. No, oh yeah. Wow. But so, I mean, so you know, I, my father wow. was, my father represented Deluxe Hotels around the world. Right. It was uh, so he was always in Europe and everywhere, just look, you know, the hotels and. And he was in England, and I said, Dad, you got to bring me home a box because I'm really into this guitar player, Brian May, and he uses one, and I really want one bad. <laughs> so he's like, okay. I, I didn't know how heavy they were. I didn't know how big they were. My father was probably 50 at that time, and he lugs the Vox all the way through the airports, uh, brings it home. Whoa. You know, wow. and it's like, and I, 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 I go plug it in, and I play through it, and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> this doesn't sound like Brian May. <laughs> I'm like, I thought my father was gonna choke me. He was oh like, "You freaking ingrate!" I dragged this all the way through the airports and weighs weighs 100 pounds. But uh, what did make it sound like Brian May? Why? Oh, did, it's, why it's, his it up? it's his pickup setup. It's the fact that did he, he use a pedal with it? Yeah, he used a treble booster because he always ran his pickups in series. And then he'd throw one out of phase and do weird things that made the guitar dark, but it gave it gain. And then he'd use a treble booster to crank it. But I think he used the normal channel, the Vox, not the top boost. And so, I mean, I tried to gig with the Vox and I was like, I sold it in two minutes. I I think it blew up before I could even sell it. You weren't going after uh, the Beatle tones? I didn't, you know, I really wasn't wasn't a, I was more into Steppenwolf, not really the Beatles. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, I need to quit. <laughs> I have a question I for you, John. I didn't. I didn't name. Oh, sorry. Didn't name oh, you got one more. One more. You got one, one more amp. amp. One more. So. So the super was the second. You like the tens Taxi more super. than twelve, right? Oh, what the is? He, well, I don't know. I, I like I, deluxes are a little flubby to me. Flabby. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's kind of the the Bella. I kind of designed to combat that right. to get get. Because I mean, I got a pro, which is just like a super with. 12 yeah it's just the thing my problem with that circuit is that you can't turn the bass up you can't get bass out of it without getting it farty 
you know. Well, what if you what if you get away from Marshall and Fender? Is there any other amp that that comes close to the Plexi and the and the best Fender in the world? Was there another company that you really respect as much as Fender or Marshall? Super. Like, like I'd I'd have to say a Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to say the Kelly. I played Kelly. Kelly's for years, yeah. and the Kelly, uh, even though I think it's got heritage of Ampeg and different amps, it's really its own deal. And, and I think Jim Kelly is probably one of the the, the more underrated amps mm -hmm. out there. It's a glorious sounding amp. I mean, I brought that one for you to hear. You, I saw that when I walked in, and I nearly, I was, my heart skipped a beat. Yeah. <laughs> and what about Dumbles? Like his his signature. You know, I don't really know what it is, but what's what do you the call overdrive it? Like, special or something? Or isn't that what it's called? Or what is it yeah, called? Like yeah, I the, think the, the overdrive signature. Special. Yeah. Well, Dumble you know, amp. but the Dumbles are 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 kind of a takeoff of a fender uh-huh you know so i don't i mean i and it's the, kind the, of a modded fender well kind of yeah and uh -huh. and the thing about dumbles is that they all sound different right i mean i've seen a lot of dumbles i've heard a lot of dumbles and i've heard one that that i was like this is this is a real great one actually it belong what's the guy's name is was it wrote not Rotel, Tommy Rotella or something like that. Mm -hmm. Tommy Rotella. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He had one. Mm -hmm. And his was one of the best ones I ever heard. Mm -hmm. And he brought it into Bradshaw's and uh, he wanted a preamp, a three plus preamp. And so Bradshaw goes, well, we'll trade you. And he, he was like, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and Bob and I were looking at each other going, we're going to make some money on this one. <laughs> and then, but like just before he, he eventually said, nah, I changed my mind. Oh, like, okay. But dude. you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm you know, glad to hear Dumble, it. Dumble's great and everything. It's just, it's, the prices are kind of obscene. Yeah. And, they're, they're pretty pricey. And, and, and dealing with an, a really eccentric guy. And they're unobtainium. Yeah. You know, you can't get one. I tried, I tried to send him a customer who was a good player and, I think I even had tapes for him and everything because I knew the way he dealt. And he goes, and he didn't even want to listen to the tapes. He was like, yeah, nah. he goes, I'll do him a, an Ultraphonics mod, but I'm, I'm not going to build him an amp. Well, I remember I, I sent him a, a guy that I know and you know, that I can't mention his name, but he really <laughs> wanted to dumble really bad. Yeah, I know. And he, and, he, and, he, and he sent a tape of himself playing to dumble and dumble said, no, I'm not going to build you an amp. I'd be, no, if people sold cars like you sell amps, <laughs> sorry, man, but uh, he, you, can't, you can't drive Is he still Chevy. doing You're it? just not good huh? enough. Is Dumble still doing it? Like, is, yeah, or is I, he retired? I, I don't think he's making an overdrive special, unless you really are, are somebody who no, loves. No, he's modding amps. Yeah, he'll he's do modding. the ultraphonics. Right. You so know, and I have a friend that has two of them. Uh-huh. And they really sound great. I gotta yeah. admit, they sound yeah. great. I know, but you know, it, I mean, is it a ten thousand dollar mod? But I want to tell you the truth: that amp sounds great. My Fender Vibroverb sounds great. Yeah, yeah, and you know that speaker through a lot of different heads that I've played sound great. I mean, great is great. You know, I mean, but again, I'm not doing to an amp what you guys are talking about. So I mean, John, it's as if we're discussing. Giraffes and zebras. Right. Maybe, but, maybe I'd say, yeah, I'd probably say the Kelly, or I'd say an Ampeg. Like I used to, I love those. I used to play through a B fifteen. Uh, like those are good, but those S, those Jets, those SVTs, uh -huh. those oh, yeah. Jets. That's what I had. Those an SVT. Are, yeah. Those are it was cool, great, man. It sounded great. And, and, yeah. and Supros. 
Uh -huh. Or the, or I don't the sun, any of those old the, ones. The Sun Two Thousand, Leslie West played through. I don't. He just uh -huh. that thing ripped. So, John, let me ask you this, and you don't have to answer if it puts you on the spot or anything. But are there any like current amp builders such as yourself that you really have a lot of respect for that you would say like, yeah, that guy really makes good amps, or would you rather not say because you don't want to leave out some and say good things about some guys and <laughs> not say things? I know that's maybe a no. Nice I good got a question, better question. But... Yeah, I got a better question. <laughs> Who do you uh, hate? But, but, it, but, yeah. but no, no, no. This is like his question, but a little easier to deal with because because okay. you don't have to get in a, in, in a mod. A my question. My, 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 my question is not putting you in a corner like uh, this. All right. Um, are you like the solder sniffers that thinks you're the only person that can build a good amp? <laughs> Gosh. That's a worse question. <laughs> no, but now you don't have to say it was good or bad. Now, now you know that that's what he thinks of himself. Because he's not talking, so he's saying, yeah, no, no, I'm a fucking god of well, amp builders. You know, everybody else sucks. It, 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 it's, not, it's, not, it's not that. I think that there's there's... <laughs> Plenty of guys out there. You know, most amp builders are not engineers, and and there are a lot of amp builders who didn't do their homework and and actually, there's a lot of amp builders that are flying by the seat of their pants, and and so it's hard for me to give them true respect if they haven't done their homework. Right. You know, it, it's it's a kind of painting by numbers. Uh huh. You know, anybody can build an amp. It's it's like you can go buy a guitar and a body, and you can put together a, that. I think there's there's guys out there that do good work, but if there was an amp that I truly loved, I wouldn't be building amps. Because the only reason I'm building amps is because I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. Right. I, I, there's there's definitely guys out there that are doing great stuff. I mean, Bogner's a great guy. I like him. Soldano's an awesome guy. Um, most of us are all friends. Uh, Rivera's a great guy. Right, and you it's know. a community, right? It's a community. I we, mean, like, we don't all, all us guitar players, we don't all play the same, but we sure respect what everybody else is doing. And we either don't do it because we can't or we don't want to. But, you, you know, I mean, it's a community. You're not talking about, like, I mean, because let's face it, I go to a lot of the guys who fix my amp. And this, that's where I get the solder sniffer idea, which is just like you know, every one of these They're guys, jaded. every one of these guys acts like an amp can't be good unless they fix it. You know, and an amp can be. I, I look at plenty. And of I'm amps. thinking to myself, God, there's all these great sounding amps in the world. There's no way you can fi be fixing them all. And you're laying this shit on me, and like I'm having to listen to it because I just basically want my amp back. <laughs> you know, here, <laughs> here, here, here's the. Yeah, and you're not going to get it back unless you fucking grease the wheel, man. Come on, man. Every 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 nod of the head is one less dollar I have right. to pay. That's right. Yep. All right. You're the best. Hold it. Hold it. I'm going to hear what John's going to say right. here. No, I was just I was just going to say that that you know I've I've heard amps, but I'm I'm like even going back to plexis. Like I I've opened up like Steve Stevens' amp, his old plexi, and it's a freaking mess. But it sounds glorious. So it doesn't necessarily need to be neat inside to be a great amp. Um, but there's a, you know, I'd say, you know, Soldano is one of the guys, is one of the first amps that I opened up and I went, the guy really cares about what he's doing. You know, whether you like the tone of the amp or not is a different story. Um, but the guy 
the guy builds a fine amp. At least I'm talking about the SLO 100, which was his flagship. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know of any of his new product. Um, I really respected that guy, and uh, and just like Tom Anderson was for me for guitars, um, Soldano was like my guy that I would call up and go, hey, you know. And, and Soldano was the kind of guy that would encourage you. He goes, you know, he wouldn't say change this and change this. He'd go, he'd go well, this is what it's going to do, and this is why. So he would encourage me to, to fuck with my own amp. He, right. goes, he goes, if you don't like what I did, that's cool, man. You know, I understand. He goes, you want to change this, change that. If you want to do this, do that. But I think I, I really respect him. Um, I really respect amp builders who do all their own shit. And unfortunately, that's not the way most of the companies work these days. I mean, we're at a point now, which is kind of like everybody's going offshore, they're going to China. And I have trouble respecting those people, even if the amps sound just fine and sound good. I just don't feel like it's, you know, it's like your job shopping half of your music out to somebody to the Orient, you know? Right. Well, I, I, I got to tell you the truth. I have outsourced my practicing to Indonesia. <laughs> to Indonesia. I can, for, for 60 cents an hour, yeah. I can practice. Yeah. I knew. I, I had it. I, I, I had outs- it. I, I, I outsourced mine to Indonesia. Uh, okay. so, uh, yeah. so, I just so, want you to know. But, so, John, <laughs> if you had to say, like, if you took, like, say, let's just say in a nutshell, you take all the amp builders out there that are building amps, would you say that the fault of the amps are that they don't sound good or the build quality is not good, like like in other words, not road worthy, or like they're really built like shit, or is it both? Is it equal amounts of both that makes a bad amp? That, That'd be like hard the, what, like the most of the amps that are out there that like say the ones that do come from China. Like if you opened one up, would you go shit? This pro- this thing won't last one tour because it looks like it's gonna fall apart. I can see the bolts not really tight. I can there, see there are some amps out there that are extremely popular, and and I open them up and I go really. They're just not made well. They're just not made well. Uh-huh. Um, but there's also, um, I mean, I know um, Metro Amps does great stuff. I don't know if George is really building amps and he's really kind of making Marshall copies, but he does some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Another company that did really neat work was, um, God, I can't remember, was, I can't even remember the name. I mean, High Watts are beautiful, but you know, it. The two things really aren't, they're two, they're independent things, whether the right. amp sounds good and whether it's built nice. And then also, like, neat wiring doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have beautiful wiring that everything's at a right angle, and this, that's not necessarily the best way to build the amp, even though it looks beautiful. Sounds so. German. <laughs> I didn't say that. That was Troy. <laughs> yeah, Troy's a racist. No, I, wa- I wasn't. I wasn't talking about Reinhold. <laughs> no, no, I was just talking about. We're going to have him on the show, so he's going to say no, a lot no, of I shit was about, talking you. about the German. No, no, I, I like no, Reinhold. No, I, no, believe me, I'm not talking. I am not talking about him. I'm just talking about the German concept about. No, you know I, that I was thinking more like high watt. Uh, you know that no, kind yeah, of. Just if perfect. you've ever seen a high watt, an old high watt inside, they're just like. I have it. They're just, you know, it's all built like a tank, and, and it looks beautiful. Well, hey, but but I, just, I don't personally like, I think high watts are awesome amps. I just don't, I owned one for years, and it was just stiff and sterile, and I don't like stiff and sterile amps. I've never heard one. Look, my guitar, 
One of my main guitars, one that Scott actually used on his last CD, is a German guitar made by a German builder. And, you know, he's very German. But that guitar has a lot of shit happening. You sure know sounds I mean? good. That you can't, you know, I mean, it's got a lot more than just the being right part of the German thing, you know what I mean? Which this guy is. One beautiful thing about him is he understands the Italian side of, of it all. But um, I just said it because, yeah, that's a whole. I, I think oh, that the it, engineering thing it, is just so ingrained in being correct. And, you know, and with Stefan, the guy who built my guitar, you know, it came on time. It, it was exactly what he, he represented it would be, you know, and there were no, there's no guesswork, no funny business, no. I guess you could ask me, this would probably be a more fair question, is what amps and guitars do I own that are not mine? Yeah, okay. that is, wow. Well, can since, I ask since that since question? brought it is, up, is that, why don't that, you answer? At least yeah, I what, say that. What, what stuff do you own that isn't That I didn't build. Yeah, what's, what is it? my super right um and i've got a metal panel marshall but i did modify it so i don't know if that's yeah. fair mm, so really stock count. stock it would just be my super i've got a, a gibson sg that they built for me because i did some amp work for them and so i took it in trade <laughs> i've got a gold top that i not necessarily a spectacular guitar but i like it it's like a 57 classic reissue or something. With big neck thing. Yeah, it's kind of big. I like yeah. my SG the most out of those. I've got a Collings um, mm -hmm. double cut. It looks like a junior, mostly because I grew up playing Les Paul Juniors, and I probably had 10 of them. And then I went to buy one recently. I'm like, I'm not paying $3,500 for this slab of mahogany. <laughs> so Collings made me a nice double cut. They, they make great guitars. Yeah, they're they? great people. Um, I do have a PRS single cut. I took it in on a trade. I don't play it, honestly. What do you think of the Paul Reed Smith stuff? Um, do you want to comment about his amps? I've never heard one. <laughs> uh, we're, we're commenting I on his guitars now. I've, no. I've never heard a, a PRS amp. I've never played one either. I just, I'd like um, to check it out. The um, PMS? Yeah, PMS amps. You know, a lot a lot of amp builders, I think, that I look at their stuff and, and I mean, it's kind of interesting to see different build philosophies and people, I don't, I don't like using connectors in amps. So that's the first thing I do is I go, it's got connectors. To me, connectors are trouble. I'm sorry. What's a connector? It's like instead of soldering the wires, you've got a plug and a socket. Oh, and, okay. and they, yeah. but there's a lot of amps that use connectors yeah. and they just plug things because that way they can get the board done. Set, you know, right. you don't really need as much skill to assemble the amp. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of connectors because a connector is just another place something's going to go corrode and, yeah. and yeah. like a tube. You know, that's usually what goes on with a tube is you should pull out the tube and spray the the pins with some deoxit and you know kind of shake it off, make it dry, and then plug it back into the socket, and that keeps your amp from crackling a lot and. Things like that are like easy maintenance you can do, mm -hmm. uh, but connectors are the same way. They get corroded, especially mm -hmm. if you're near the beach, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, um, there's a, I, I just, you know, honestly, <clears throat> it's not that I'm jaded, but I, I can't say that there's an amp that I really prefer. Well, that, that makes sense to me because you're an amp builder and, 
It's not to say that there aren't other great yeah, amps. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bogner's are great amps. Soldano's are great amps. Marshall makes great amps. You know, there's... Yeah, it's the, horses for courses, right? Yeah, I would probably it's, buy older Fender amps if I was to buy a Fender amp. Right. Have you tried the Landau Fender? New one? Uh, I don't think I would like it. Right. Because I've heard Scott's and worked on Scott's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <and laughs> But Scott they, uses one. But, no, I don't really. I I'm waiting for John to. But hold it, build no, my is it, I don't have to use that. You, is, is it exactly it. what Landau uses? I mean, Landau's going to sound great through a fucking no, no sandwich Troy, and Troy, piece of shit. Troy, he wouldn't be using that amp if he was playing in the Raging Honkies. Really? No. God, I love that. That, that amp can't do what you like Landau right. doing. It okay. Can't. Okay. It's, it's that. That amp is a clean amp. Right. It's only for clean and blues. It can't do what you, like what you're hearing Mike do on the Raging Honkies. He wouldn't use that amp to do it. Right. He would use his old fenders and his his, his stuff. You know, because that amp is a clean, super clean amp like mine. Right, right. Yeah, it's really clean. Do you, I mean, talking about the Raging Honkies, that album with Landau, do you have an album where you just like the tones are just, godly oh yeah I what's mean, your what's your album your I, go-to albums you know probably the one that that never ceases to amaze me is tres hombres right yeah that's a good one it, but it's got to be oh, on vinyl it doesn't sound they did they screwed it up on cd See, I don't know now i gotta they, buy maybe that they, maybe they that. remastered it yeah i think they did so john what's your take on um you know like what i noticed like say and maybe you know, maybe this is a, a question you don't want to answer either. But, but <laughs> a lot of this, questions you don't. Want I know answer. you know. I, <laughs> Are we gonna talk about curious. religion or politics? No, I'm not, I'm not talking about what I'm talking about is the difference between the really expensive, um, super beautiful gold hardware, look what I just bought kind of guitar versus the guitar that just looks average but sounds really amazing, like a vintage guitar or something. Do you think that the market is changing toward like the most beautiful wood, the most beautiful paint, the gold hardware? And because you mentioned Paul Reed Smith, and to me, Paul Reed Smith sort of represents that crowd of people that aren't really musicians. They're more doctors and dentists who just want a guitar to hang on their wall and brag about because it looks so gorgeous. But it doesn't really sound all that good. And that's just me. Sorry if I'm offending Paul Reed Smith fans. Or and doctors but, and dentists. But, our doctors and dentists. But, you know, I mean, to me, it's like once a guitar gets to be a certain weight, like once it weighs about 40 pounds, <laughs> it just sort of sounds like, like an a, amp, you mean? sounds like a rock. And it, no matter how beautiful it is, it's not going to sound good because it weighs 40 pounds. Well, you know. <laughs> but I don't know. It, there's been, there's been a, a shift in our company in the past year where I'm now in total control uh-huh. and I really wasn't in 100% total control like I am now uh-huh. before. And I am not about putting lipstick on a pig. Uh-huh. So to me, it's my favorite guitar is an all Karina telly basically with arm contours and tummy contours, but it's all, it's all limba. And Did like, you say Korean? Karina. Oh. It's, Karina is actually, I believe, a trade name that Gibson used for the Flying Vs 
for that for the limba wood that had the yellowed finish on it and but people typically just call that um carina even though it's actually limbo with a yellowed lacquer on it but my favorite guitar is it's an all it's it's just a, basically a telly but with the pickup my pickup and a pafero fingerboard it couldn't be more simpler and it's beat up it's antiqued and i and i didn't really necessarily build it i just it was just a guitar we built and i picked it up and it was light and and i just loved it and then i i just tweaked it for myself but i'm I do like beautiful quilts and stuff like that, but it breaks my heart when I put a ding in it. And that's the reason why I kind of like playing the, the antique guitars, not because I'm fooling myself thinking I'm playing a 40-year-old guitar, but right. um, the... Um, you care less. I, yeah, you care less about fucking it up. I, 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 yeah. I, do, I do think that um, there's a place for the exotic woods, and, and there's... Because they... they Maple sounds different. Well, I'm not saying at all that I think all exotic-looking, beautiful guitars sound bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying what I'm asking is, do you see more people interested nowadays in guitars because they're so beautiful? Like, like in other words, do you well, get more uh, orders than you used to get for like really incredible-looking quilted wood tops and stuff like that that look amazing and gold <clears throat> hardware and stuff like that? Um, and people w wanting to pay for that much more for it because you know I guess it probably costs more right to make a guitar like that sure I mean I, I you know the woods get ridiculous in, in their cost and uh -huh. have no choice but to pass where do they on. where do they come from these kind of woods well, there's, there's like wood brokers really yeah you can you know you want some crazy black walnut you want some crazy koa you know there's there's a wood vendor who will send you a thousand dollar sell you a thousand dollar block of koa but wow. you know, and and I'm not even guaranteed that that's going to come out to be a nice guitar. My, you know, I think what my customers want and what I personally want are two are, different. Are, yeah, it might be two different things. And sure, and it's also because unfortunately, and and I, I I don't think I'm offending my my public. And it's there's nothing wrong with a hobbyist buying a great guitar and enjoying life. I mean, you only live once. Sure. It's it's no different than somebody buying a Porsche. Right. Are, you know, are you really going to go more than 80 miles an hour on the freeway? <laughs> yeah, I don't right. think so. Right. You know, and you're not going to race down the freeway. So there, I, my personal preference is to build tone machines and playable guitars for mm -hmm. musicians. But unfortunately, most musicians are, are broke-ass motherfuckers, right. and they don't have enough money to buy. What are you trying to say? I find that highly offensive there, John. <laughs> I just got to say that he's not trying to say anything. He just he's said saying it. <laughs> so, but let me ask you this. When a guy orders something like, say, a real fancy wood, does he usually know beforehand exactly the wood he wants? And he's calling you guys and saying... I want a, a guitar that's made out of whatever koa, and then you build it for him. Or is he looking on your site and seeing that wood is awesome? That's what I want. Whatever it is, I, I you know, we get both. Uh -huh. um, custom custom business is picking up, mm -hmm. but it's also because it's what I like to do. Mm -hmm. I like to build a guitar the way you want it, and it really doesn't matter what I like. It's the same kind of thing like with the amplifiers, and it's why I like getting guys like Pete Thorne involved or you involved in designing an amp, because it's different than what I do. And if, if I 
build everything the way I want, I'm probably not gonna, I'm gonna be attacking a very small market. Right. And and it's like, if, if I had my, my world about, if I could do anything I wanted, I wish I was independently wealthy and I could just do whatever the hell I wanted, but I can't, you know, it's like, I've got employees, I've got a company to run. And so I do have to look at profits and how much it costs to make things. And it's, it's like, if, if you make, I'm not really interested in competing with Fender. You know, I'd rather make something that is um, just a little more refined, mm -hmm. even if it's at my low end. We have the same builders making all of our guitars. It doesn't matter if it's custom or not. Mm -hmm. uh, we might be shifting that a little bit to have a little bit more of a personal experience because there are guys that demand that. And why not do it if that's what they want? You know, but but they, they don't, whether they know what they want, no, I, I'd say most guys don't really know what they want. They need guidance. Right, you know, and and that's why it's really important. And this, it's one of the biggest challenges in, in my business is when you got custom guitars. It's I'm really dependent on my dealers, and then you read things like Warren Buffett saying that you know the retail shops are are dead. They're going way of the dodo bird. You know, everybody's going to be shopping on Amazon, which is going to make my life even more difficult because I kind of count on a on a player going into a store and going. Oh, well, those guitars look nice. So what are the options? And if I've got a good sales guy in the store, he can explain the options to you and then he can sell you the guitar. But if you just go to a guitar and you pick, you go to a store and pick up my guitar, you're really, you're really not going to know what your options are. One of the most frustrating things to me is like somebody will go, oh, you know, I picked up a Sur and it really sounded modern. You know, well, which one did you try? There's a, <laughs> yeah, like a right. gazillion options. Right, right. If you ask me to make you something that sounds like a classic Fender, I can do that, but if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it, and you can't just go pick up any guitar and, and make a judgment call. No, I had guys say that to me one time. They said, I bought a Sir guitar, and I really wanted to, like, it was, I heard they sound like vintage strats, and mine doesn't sound like a vintage strat at all, and I said, well, what kind of bridge does it have on it? And he says, a Goto two-post bridge. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, I got news for you. The bridge is a very important part of the guitar, and if it doesn't have a vintage six-screw bridge on it, it's not going to sound like a vintage. Strat. Well, if if you buy a, you know? if you buy a Fender with their new post two-post right, bridge, it's, it's going to sound different than right, their six-screw. Of course. I, I mean, you know, I think people get so crazy about <laughs> yeah. you know the frets, for instance. They go they go anal about you know stainless steel versus nickel silver. No, like I'm sorry. When you plug that thing in, you know you're really not going to know the difference. Uh, maybe acoustically you could hear the difference, but in the scheme of things, something like the bridge is going to make more of a difference. Something like the fingerboard or the neck wood is going to make more of a difference. I think the neck is one of the the biggest tonal contributors to the tone, but still the audience isn't going to hear it. Yeah, it's it's just you. Pistol. It's like would would you if you closed your eyes, would you really know if Steve Ray Vaughan was playing a maple fingerboard or a rosewood <laughs> fingerboard? You wouldn't have a clue. It, it comes up every time I listen to him. I think, God, why wasn't he playing maple? Or, or, or was you know, he playing maple? Or you, you you listen to Hendrix and you think he's playing your Strat and you find out it was a flying V. I mean, <laughs> or an SG. Yeah, or an SG. It's like so, so, this. This sounds like a dumb question, but do you get more people? Buying your guitars from dealers or ordering them custom made from your from the factory. Well, even even the, the a lot of the custom made ones are, are custom made for the dealer. 
So they order it custom. They, yeah. they order it from like they know what they want. Yeah, the, they tell the dealer. The, what the they dealer want. says, I, "I know what sells for me, and this is what I want." And it's different everywhere. I mean, uh -huh. but we we used to make these really really expensive guitars. They were like twenty five thousand dollars, and it wow. and, and it was they they would do this once a year, and it was something that um, even though they can be beautiful guitars, they you know are they tone machines. I, you know, mm -hmm. I plead the fifth. Right. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's right. you know, they, they are more lipstick on a pig. But, you know, yeah. some guys don't care. You know, it's like I'll get guys that are excellent customers and they'll go, I want to know what the best piece of koa you have in the shop is or they want to pick out their wood. And they'll pay a premium to pick out their wood. You ever see that Gibson thing? The what? The hide glue. The, the, you ever see that, that spoof? No. I'll, I'll, I'll show it yeah. to you. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Like, what is it? I'll, explain. I'll show it to you later. It's pretty funny. But it's it's like I, I'm anti-snake oil. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, everything, this world is, is, it's complicated enough not to listen to science. And so every, there's a reason for everything. And I just don't believe just because a guitar is old, it's going to sound better. Um, but there, there is, there are things that if if I if you were to say, John, what would you build yourself? Well, it's like you know, we just did this run for this one dealer that was uh, river recovered wood that I never really thought anything that much about. But it's you know, two three hundred year old wood that was sunk in the bottom of the Great Lakes, and um, they call it sinker wood, and they go down there and they dredge it up, and the the reason it's different. And I look for this on all my wood, but just about all the wood that came out of the lakes was old, slow-growth maple. I tried some, and I didn't have the best of luck with it, and because it would still go squirrely on me sometimes, because it's not, you know, just because it's slow, old growth, and it's got tight rings on it, and it's, it's you really don't, you don't want the, this is the most frustrating thing to me is when people say this is a great guitar listen to feel the way it vibrates that's not a great thing you know you really don't want the guitar to vibrate that much it's not an acoustic guitar you know it's like you know it's a jazz box or something yeah you're looking for certain resonance but you know i'm sure you're familiar with things like wolf notes sure you know and, and it's kind of the what what makes it what it is yeah it's amazing acoustic guitar. well on a on electric those are usually dead spots right you know, because you don't want your guitar to be all vibrating, because then where does the the string go? It, it gets absorbed into the guitar at those frequencies, and that's what causes dead spots. So usually on a guitar, you want your woods to tap tone high, you know, electric guitar high frequencies. That way, that's like it puts it out of the range of where you're playing. You want the string to vibrate and the pickups to pick up that vibration. Um, but the this slow old growth wood, uh, I had it roasted, uh, basically torrified, which you've got on your neck, your favorite neck, mm -hmm. and that in combination with the old growth wood, it's every single one I picked up was just like wow, mm -hmm. this guitar just you just hit acoustically, it just rings, you just know it's going to be great. So that kind of stuff, and, and but it can be stained. It can have stains on it. It can be really gnarly looking. I don't care. You know, it sounds great. So you know, that's where my head would be. Is like if someone said, "What would you rather do?" I'd rather make guitar. I, I, they, they, to me, they've got to be built perfectly. But 
you know, I embrace personally, I embrace natural flaws. I don't care. But one thing that bugs me about some people is they will get very nitpicky on like the, oh, this has a little stain right here. You know, that's not, no, it's, it's like, yeah, but did you hear, did, did you hear the voice of the guitar? Did you plug it in? Did, no, but it's got a stain on the neck. <laughs> you know, it's like, this, uh, this is mother nature. So that, that's yeah. probably one of the most frustrating things to me is like, you're asking me to ask mother nature to, be Get it right. To Mother be nature. consistent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, do you, do you have an do you have an amp or a guitar where you've just like I fucking nailed this, or do you have that opinion about everything you make, or is it like do you have a favorite of what you've made where you're just like this is badass? I, I'm never happy with anything I do. <laughs> That's kind of the answer I expected <laughs> Gee, from someone like yourself. This room pretty well. <laughs> I, you, you can give me any guitar uh, in the world, and I will find flaws. Right, and and it's just the way it is. And do you, do, what's your favorite amp that you've put out, or is that too hard of a question? Uh, my favorite amp is probably uh, you know it, it is a hard question i'd say i've got i i don't have is a it, particular favorite there's three amps i really like yeah um i really love the bella yeah um as a pedal amp like in other words like an amp that i'm not expecting tube overdrive from you know if i'm happy with my pedals i'd say the bella is just kick ass i like the bella through a four by 12 with greenbacks that that amp through that cabinet many times that amp through that cabinet just (laughs) and and give me my son's my son came out with a new pedal called the eclipse which is basically a dual overdrive right give me that and the bella and i've got a a instant three channel amp with very little hassle wow and it just it sounds organic and it sounds it doesn't sound like you're driving a pedal I don't have to turn the tone down to one or anything to get rid of fizz or it just responds the way I want. But through it through a greenback cap, straight too, not slanted. I personally don't care for slants. Yeah. But um, then the other amp is the PT one hundred. It's to me it's a Swiss Army knife. It does fender clean channel. It's very similar to the OD one hundred. Um, it's uh, got the it's got a, basically like a amped up. Uh, super reverb clean channel with you know with the reverb side but no reverb yeah you know so it's got the extra brilliance from that um and the the crunch channel is like a killing jcm 800 on steroids um i also like that through greenbacks i play everything through my greenbacks um i honestly never play my super i don't think i've turned it on in four years um the um and and the hedgehog, I absolutely love the hedgehog. But the hedgehog's an entirely different thing. The hedgehog is more of an American overdrive, dumbly sort of voice. Um, and I think that those, but it's a lot more forgiving than a dumble. I find that dumbles are tuned for the player and and the guitar. And as soon as you change one of those things, they don't. They're, they're almost like a pair of shoes to me. Right. You know, they they, they dumble tunes them for you and your guitar. And once you change anything else, I don't think, I don't think an amp, a dumble built for you would work for him. You know what I mean? It's like, because I play a lot of dumble, they're just all over the place. 
I mean, they've got basic similarities in the design, but he changes parts to tweak it for each player, which is a good thing. Then it turns out to be a custom ant, but they're just not. So the, the hedgehog is a lot more forgiving, but it's in that kind of architecture. Mm -hmm. And then all the buttons are programmable. And I think, funny enough, I think it scares people, but it's so stupidly easy to program that amp. If I was playing live, I would probably use the hedgehog. And because is it's, it really versatile amp? Yes, and it's got a creamy high end. Mm -hmm. But but if you're, you know, I grew up playing boogies, and I hated them. But and I'm not talking about the newer versions. I'm talking about the original Mark II C pluses and you yeah. know the old style boogies. And the thing I hated is you always had to have the graphic EQ and put a V notch in it to get rid of all yeah. the, the the mids. And the bass was oh, flubby. So much mids. But but I kind of learned how to pick. In such a way to make the bass sound tight because i played it for so many years so if i play and the and the dumbles and the hedgehog and all those american voiced amps that have it's where they put the gain structure basically you know in that style of amp you've got an eq up front yeah and then you've got overdrive so what you do in the eq when you've got overdrive on isn't really going to affect the overdrive and that's why you put like a tone stack in for the overdrive on some dumbbells. So you have to, but you have to go into the amp to tweak that. We have the similar kind of controls in the Hedgehog. You can actually go into the Hedgehog and tweak the overdrive. But that the EQ that you're using for the clean channel now becomes more of a pre-filter. You know, so you can trim out some bass for the overdrive. But the problem with the, the dumbbells is that to me, I can still only get one tone out of it. But with the Hedgehog, it's all programmable. So right. you can turn on the mid boost, turn on the bright, turn off the bright, anything. All you do, it's like an old Bradshaw. You hit store, preset this. Oh, you, wow. So you basically, you got all these buttons across the top. Yep. And you go, okay, I want the overdrive. I want the effects loop in, which, you know, I don't even think a Dumble has an effects loop. I want the effects loop in. Do you want it in series or parallel? You can choose. And then you can, okay, I want the deep on. And my deep is in the power section so it doesn't flub out the amp. I want the deep on. Okay, I'm going to hit store. That preset. You're done. And you can do that. You can have 128 presets if you want to use MIDI. But if you don't use MIDI, you got the foot switch. You got, you know, your presets right there too. That I think is really cool. But funny enough, I think it scares people. I think a lot of dealers tell us that guys want less knobs. You know. That's funny, isn't it? How it changed. Because there for a few years, or it seemed like a few years back, it was like, it was all about having more. And now I guess it depends on your gig. You know, when I was in Tribal Tech, and it was such a complicated sound band, yeah. you know, I couldn't play like I play now. Now I've got, like, I'm in high school again, because I don't have any loopers or anything like that. I have to step on one pedal and turn it off, and step on another pedal and turn it on, and then turn up the reverb, and then blah, 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 blah. I have to do all this shit. But I write music that isn't so, I can do it. I got plenty of time to do it, you know? Whereas in the tribal tech days, it's like you'd never have time to do all this kind of shit because you got to go from one, so you got to hit one button and that one button turns off three pedals and turns on another one, changes the delay to a shorter <laughs> delay, does all this stuff with just one hit of the button. But back then, I felt like I really needed it. Yeah. You know? Right. Now I don't feel like I need that anymore, really. You know, but 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 there's still a lot of guys that do. Yeah. Because if like if you're playing a pop gig, and that's the, another thing about the, the the great thing about the amp modelers 
because you've got presets. So, yeah. so boom, you just go from one thing to another, and boom, it's you've changed but, everything. You've changed twenty parameters at one. You one you can do that. I just I'm putting together my pedal board with a Boss ES8, and that's a great unit. You can reorder your effects on the ES8. Mm -hmm. It's a great sounding that's a great unit. Great feature, right? Have a buffer in it. Well, everything's got buffers. Your pedal's a buffer. I know. That's what everybody keeps telling me. But every time I try a <laughs> looper, every time I try a looper, I hear this high-end fizz with my distortion that I don't hear when I don't use a buffer. And I don't know why it's making it. Sound you are like using that. buffers, though. It's it's the, the, you know it's saying you've got a buffer is like it's like saying you got a tube amp. You know, there's a gazillion ways to do it. And, and anything that converts high impedance to low impedance is a buffer. But do you think that there's a looper out there where I wouldn't... Because A well, looper? I just remember Bradshaw's looper. You know. Oh, you mean switcher. Uh, when you say looper, I'm thinking you're meaning uh, a, a, looping, uh, a looper. No, um, no, I mean a, a switching system like Bob's thing where you have the pedals in the drawer and when you hit a button, the pedals are always on and when you hit the button, it either brings the pedal in or out of the, of the signal path. Well, if it's done with a relay, it's done with a relay. It's not going to be any different than switching it on and off with your pedal. Well, I guess it was because there was so much cable that it was really dull. Yeah, it, it, you had to put a buffer in there. Are you talking about the old drive. systems? Uh-huh. The, the reason is a lot deeper than that. The, the reason is, is that he used a certain kind of switch chip that would have a tendency to pop unless it was loaded down. And so he'd load it down, and then it actually dragged down the, the impedance. And the only thing that can drive through those loaded down switches would be a buffer. It's, it's the same. It's, here's something that I think is one of the reasons everybody thinks guitars sound sterile these days. They forget that the cable is part of your tone. Yeah. And the length of the cable is major. But, but people just have such a tendency to just pick up any cable not thinking that it's oh it's just a cable if it's good if it's connected it's a cable no it's got capacitance and it's got distributed capacitance it's not like putting a capacitor at one end of the cable so if and and you found something that works for you it's also the reason when you turn down the volume that you lose your high end people <laughs> yeah well because you've got a fairly <laughs> short cable but right. people don't realize it's that low when you turn it in your volume you lose high end that's just a, yeah but the longer the factor well the, not, not if you use a really short short cable if you, you if, if you if you sit in a recording studio and turn down an instrument it loses high end not, but there's not a that reason. Much, though. Not that much. If you use <laughs> I'm a, sure there is a reason. Like, it can be avoided. But the well, you, but, but but there's a fact. I mean, it's it's just a physical fact, you know, that that the the, the amount of presence an instrument has in terms of volume, you hear more of the high end. I mean, we've done that in mixes for forever. I mean, I've heard it not just myself, oh, but, but saxophones and basses. Yeah, okay, well, no, you're, you're yeah, talking yeah, about the psychoacoustic. You're, you're talking about like psych acoustic stuff. I'm talking about like the, the difference between like say if I turned down my guitar from ten to seven, I really wouldn't hardly hear much of a treble loss. But if I was playing through like a twelve foot or fifteen foot cable, I would really hear a big huge difference between ten and seven. But since my cable is only four feet long, the, that that that, that has to do with impedances and and the capacitance of the cable. So, if if you have EMGs in your guitar, yeah. you, you can turn down the volume, and you're not going to really 
hear any any besides what you're talking about what we're yeah, talking i'm talking about something different. you know what we're talking about is take a fender strat off the wall an old strat and turn turn the volume down and it sounds like you just turned your tone to half right yeah you know but that can be avoided with things like bleed networks in the volume pot but ignoring that what it, the the reason uh that a lot of guys think, you know, there's been such a push for, for low impedance, I'm sorry, low capacitance cable, but that's part of what sweetens the tone of something like a strap pickup into a Marshall. Hendrix, I think, used a 40-foot coil cord. Right, right. More and, like a 100-foot yeah. cable, because it's a 50-foot coil cord, and if you stretched it out, it would be a 100 feet <laughs> Right, cable. and it was so dark. <laughs> it's yeah. because it's a huge capacitor, but it but it, it sweetened it, so he could get away with using fuzz faces and stuff, and it just sounded glorious through a Marshall, which would normally rip your head off. If you took a 10-foot cable and plugged a Strat into a Marshall, you know, to a vintage Marshall, it's going to rip your face off. But with that, that long coil cord it sweetens it up but everybody's like into buffers and everything so what i tell people is don't you know for scott's different because he gets rid of the high end for a different way you turn down your tone but if you were the kind of guy that left your tones all the way up i'd be fucked yeah i i would i would tell you i would tell you you know what if you if it sounds too sterile too bright to you Get a longer cable. Get a longer, get a longer cable. cable. And, and don't, don't go 10 feet and go into your first buffer unless you're doing what Scott does by turning down your tone. Go 20 feet into your first buffer. You know, or that's the reason I don't like to really put active electronics inside guitars. And basses are fine because basses don't matter. But no, it's the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a bass You heard it there, name. ladies and gentlemen. John, <laughs> sir, basses John don't matter. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. What I mean is, is that with a bass, they're not going for that sweet distortion. You know, they like the clarity. So it, a bass doesn't need that. That was Leland's clock. Yeah, <laughs> that was for Victor Wooten and Jeff Berlin and all those But yeah, oh. but you know the buffer isn't the enemy. The buffer restores your high end because when you start going through all those pedals, you're getting capacitance in the switches in the pedal. If they're true bypass, you're actually darkening your tone. But you could make that work for you, just like you make a longer cable work for you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just understanding okay, I'm losing too much high end now through my pedal board. It's time to put a buffer in the front or in the back. Or if you've got to run 50 feet back to your amp, you better put a buffer on the output of your pedal board. But don't you think that the buffers have improved and maybe they make a better one now than they did in the days of when I was using the Bradshaw system like 20 years ago? They're probably better, more natural sounding buffers now that they put in those pedal switching systems than no they're they modeling have. them now <laughs> but aren't they better now than they were back say in the day the, maybe they're more pleasing to the well ear. the switches have improved and and um i haven't really finished hooking up my es8 but but my son says it sounds awesome uh, but peter frampton doesn't think it sounds awesome i mean he's he i think he's built himself a relay switcher but you see a relay switch is going to have capacitance so you know it's kind of like what do you, I use? It's like when somebody says a guitar is muddy. Is it muddy or is it sweet? Oh, this one's this one's bright. Is it bright or is it clear? You know, it's like it's kind of like what you want. You or know, so harsh. yeah, is it harsh? No, well, maybe it's not harsh. You know, maybe it's just present. You know, and maybe you know what works for you in your bedroom isn't going to work for you on stage. And that's when we were talking before. That's the biggest frustrating thing for me is I've got two different clientele. 
or maybe three. I've got guys who just collect, you know, and that's, and you know what? That's fine. Yeah. It's, it's just fine. It's like, it's a piece of art. They like a beautiful guitar to hang on the wall that they can strum every once in a while. It's like a painting they can play, but it's a piece of art. Then you've got the guys who are, are amateur players and they play for enjoyment and, and they're, Make YouTube and Facebook videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not going to say which ones are good, but you know, th there's a lot of guys who play for enjoyment who are still good guitar players, but they're never probably really going to play on stage, you know. And but so they've got a different requirement. The amps got to sound different, and and that's probably my biggest complaint about some of the amps out there in the market is I feel like I design my amps to play on stage. There are other amps that you can play a bar chord on it and they will sound just fine. But you go try and do a nice singing Leslie West style fat melodic solo and you're not going to get it out of those amps. They're going to sound screechy and thin. But you can play a bar chord with tons of distortion and they'll sound fine because they don't have the bass in the preamp. They, they put the bass in the, in the power section instead of the preamp. There's like a fine balance of where you put of where you let the frequencies be if you put too much bass in the front it gets flubby but if you put it in the back and you take it out of the preamp then you get you get a fat tone but when you go play a single note they sound thin you know so it's it's kind of like there's such a balancing game you kind of know what guitar do you need to play that's why i, I this is something i'm thinking about is there a way i could design custom amps you should model it <laughs> I would if I could. John, I what would do you mean custom amps. Like you mean a custom amp for every player? Yeah. That, uh, every guy gets a. Gets but a God, but a, a lot of a but lot of players. Have to. Well, that's players, that's what Dumble like, does. A lot of players play in the bedroom and then they go play gigs. Yeah, so I, you got that. I, yeah, but you see, the, the thing is, and and, and 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 I love that idea. I mean, I'm so into that idea, but it you know in theory. But well, the re in, in reality, is I play in different rooms all the time. I play in different situations all the time. Get a modeler. No, wait, wait. <laughs> That'd be nice. No, no. I play. I, 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 I play in different. You know. So I would basically need you to come to my uh, my gig and Gigs. tweak and tweak shit according to. Oh, today it's just dual with a bass, acoustic bass. Oh no, there's no bass now. What you mean? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Oh no, it's a booby room now. It's a clean yeah. room now. Oh, now it's going to be like this decibel level versus, you know, the background levels. You know, I mean, I'm just saying that yeah. there's a lot of variables here. Oh, I, I agree. Beyond that, <clears throat> I love nothing more than the idea that I could like get you to come with me to every gig. Hold it. And, you know, we could say, you know, oh, Bruce, but, okay, I can hear what But at that. some point, I'm, when does the guitarist just fucking take responsibility for their own shit? Like, never. the amp guy can only do so much. Never, He's delivering no, an no, amp. No. Fucking get your shit together. Well, I'm, I'm talking <laughs> about... Wait a here. I'm talking about talking a more... Not that you, is, not you. Practice. I'm just saying in general. You're talking about practice. I don't want that. I want to I, I'm talking about a more extreme situation. Um, what's that? More I'm extreme? talking a more extreme situation. Like... Like the guy who plays in his bedroom to record to CDs or records right, or whatever, right. compared to the guy who's playing on stage anywhere on stage, right. chances are the guy on stage is going to need less bite, less bass, more top end than you would probably feel comfortable playing in a room. Sure. And, and, and you know, because when you're when you're sitting in your room, you want to hear a full tone. You don't have a bass player there. 
you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And there's guys who, who there's amps that can sound great in your living room. And th this is also, I think, might apply to some modelers, you know, where they, I think they can sound better than a tube amp if you're playing it in low volume in, a, in an area just where you just want to play and practice compared to playing on stage. Yeah, they huge. they might not cut through like you expect. Oh, I totally agree with or you. Not I mean, be fat, right? No, and, yeah. and and you're dealing with me like what you're when when you say stage in your mind, there's a specific parameter. Okay, I mean that, in a band, all right. But I'm I'm, I'm playing bands. So well, I, I agree. Your I situation mean, no, I'm just saying the, the 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 variety of I think you know you what you're talking about stage is still also. Goes from everything almost similar to your bedroom to a while. You know, you know. I mean, it's yeah. just we're talking about a lot of variables here. You know, the amp, the guitar, the player, the amp, the acoustics, the 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 interaction of the instruments around you. But you're going to have that same issue with every instrument. That's true. Band. That's that's what I deal with every day. Right. Just but, so you're, you're talking more about room acoustics, and ideally, and, and that's a huge factor. Yeah. Ideally, you bring your PA, and and the PA is somehow tuned to the room in every gig, and and you're not. <laughs> but I'm just saying that it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to control something that is half off stage and half in the PA. Right. If you're talking about a more that's intimate true. gig. But you have to say you have to remember one thing. The great thing about a really good amp, a good amp that has the right controls tuned at the right spots, is that you can compensate for room, different room sounds totally, by, totally. Just, ju by just tweaking the amp. And I mean, yeah, the like, amp should be flexible I mean, enough to get... And, and, and I've same never played, with the guitar controls. Yeah, but I mean, I've never had an amp that I was uh, happy with that didn't have the great ability to be flexible. You know, like like when I take John's amp on on stage, if the room is boomy, I can turn down the bass and get just as good a tone. If the if the room is really tight, I can turn up the bass. I can. What I love about presence and treble, what I hate about amps that don't have presence, I hate fucking amps that don't have presence because I can't control the high end because treble is not enough for me. Like. Okay, it's too trebly. Turn down the. That's bullshit. Pre presence is like, totally different. It adds gain. Is so and it's so completely yeah. different than treble. You know what I mean? So if you really want to be able to tweak the high end to the nth degree of what you really want, it's great to have an amp with presence and treble because they interact with each other and you can really fine tune the high end. Oh, you know, and, totally and that's what agree. I love I about mean, that's what I love about you know my amp that John makes for me is that it. It has it, you know. It's the Marshall what is, what design is, that has the presence. What is that amp? Let's let's see. What is that amp? It's the what? Well, my, my amp um, is, is. We don't sell very many of his amps. Yeah, he sell very many. <laughs> Mine is basically just a. It's just a Marshall with an effects loop and a master ball. And uh, not really. So you know, <laughs> John's like, no, it's is not. Is it in a kind of seventy-one Marshall layout? No, no, no nothing like that. No, not really. It's more like the Mesa Boogie from nineteen five. It's more. It's it? more like a fat. It's more like a. Uh, a fat JCM 800 or a fat master volume. It, it's because you got it. When, when you say a, an old Marshall, yours has an extra gain stage compared to that. Well, then I, of course, I, that, that's what I'm saying with a master volume. That's an extra gain stage. No, a master volume is just a pot. 
Oh, um, well, I'm, it's just a different terminology. I mean that it has extra gain. Well, let's put it this way. Master, master volumes in stock marshals don't work that well unless it's a phase inverter master, which we put on the SL68, which works well to a point. Mm -hmm. Like you can cut your volume... You can maybe put the master on half, but you but like your amp, you could put the master on one and still get a tone out of it. Right. But that's because you're losing that interaction of the power section. You're not pushing the power section anymore. Exactly. So we got to give you distortion somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So we got another gain stage in front of the amp, which is pushing it right. harder. And you're clipping preamp tubes instead of power section. Right. But the, the but I couldn't live without that. The, right. You right. Go into a club that's, and try to play a plexi Marshall. With the with no with without that and you're you, you can't you right. can't get a tone because unless you're relying so on pedals that you would kill everybody in in the room yeah unless you're relying on pedals that do it like when I play my Bella my wife screams at me if the amp's over one you well, know yeah, so because the Bella's a really loud yeah it's it's, it's not that quiet but but you know oh, there's yeah. pedals these days the difference when I was a kid is there weren't pedals that around that and it's kind of funny because the technology is really not that different. In the, the Marshall technology is not that different either. It's kind of like, you know, why couldn't they have done it back then? Well, you could have. They could have made screaming, ripping Marshalls back then. They just didn't. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing. But if you've got a pedal that can cop it, then you can have an amp that's just... But you don't put, like, <clears throat> a pedal in a completely clean amp. That doesn't sound that, like great, even no matter what... It sounds good is. to me. Yeah, it doesn't sound good to me. I, I have to If you're playing it, rock, you can make it work. Yeah. Uh, for me, like for me, a pedal, no matter how good the pedal is, if you put it into a completely clean amp, it sounds sterile to me. It's like if the amp's not doing a little bit of the work, like you know, just a little bit of crunch from the tubes. You know, it doesn't have to be like a lot of gain, but if the amp just like the way I run my amp is like if you if you have the guitar on seven, it's completely clean. You know, if you turn the guitar up to ten and hit a hit a chord. It's starting to break up. You know, you're getting some action from the tubes, and it's getting a little bit crunchy. And then when you apply the pedal to that, to me, that gives me the. Best Where's your sound. master? Huh? Where's your master? Um, the master volume. Where? What level? Do you, how? On how, the amp? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It could be one. It could be five or ten. It yeah. Okay. So, but the difference is, is that when it's on one, you're not you're not clipping that output section at all. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm just saying preamp distortion. Just right. the little bit of amp distortion mixed with the pedal seems to really fatten it up and make it sound to me like real. Is it? But if I plug just the pedal into a completely clean amp with no breakup at all, it doesn't sound real to me. It see, sounds like the see, pedal. Preamp distortion is one of the most finicky things to to get because everybody's using preamp distortion. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't matter. I mean, any amp that's got a master volume, unless it's a plexi style you know right. copy right. Right. um you're you're pretty much getting a lot of relying on preamp distortion and not power section distortion i think the magic is, is when they're both kind of yeah when the power section well, is starting course. to work when you really get it yeah. up to the <clears throat> level where you're you're making the power tubes work really hard and and the preamp's doing its thing and yeah. yeah i mean you can do that on the bella by kicking into low power then it then it's a you know yeah. Then you got 22 watts instead you know, of 44. We, we play so many different kind of places. We play places where you can like really turn up loud if you want to. And luckily, like it's a tight room that doesn't really sound that loud, but you can crank up and, you know, you might have carpet around the walls or, you know, carpet on the floor and it eats up a lot of the volume. So you can crank, 
but for the audience, you don't see people going like this, right? But then we play some places where if the amp was on one, you'd see the person in the front row going like this because the amp is actually, the stage is actually an amplifier. Like it's all hard surfaces, concrete floor, concrete ceiling, concrete walls. And if the drummer just goes like this on the snare drum, you get a migraine. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and those kind of gigs, you can, you just can't turn. So up. what you're you telling me is you like up. you like tubes cooking, and that's probably the reason you'll never like modelers. Well, I guess yeah. You know, a, a, you a get thing, a variac. A tube or the brown box. A tube is running. Brown for a reason. The B plus feeding a tube is 250 to 300 volts usually, and so that gives you tremendous amount of swing on tubes, and that's that's one of my biggest beefs about solid state, and or you know or or modeling except maybe except for the Kemper because the Kemper is more like capturing a picture, but you you don't get that swing in the dynamics. At least I, I haven't heard any solid state amps really do that. They, they sound more like this instead of like this. I got to say, you know, I heard Pete's demo of the Kemper, and I was like, me and Adam had that amp at my house for a whole day, and we couldn't get anything that sounded even remotely as good as what Pete had on his demo. You know, and I'm thinking maybe they just improved it. Maybe it's just better now. Well, it's it it's the same right. box. I mean, they've they've got updates. They must have had some serious updates. Update the whole interface you know, when, and everything. When I got it, I yeah, the interface is fucking horrible. I mean, out. like, what are we, 1992? Well, when I, mean, I got when I got the Kemper, it was when True Tone asked <laughs> me and Adam hell. God, that to German. for you know to see if they wanted us to be a dealer. Right. And I think it was like one of the very first ones they made, or it was just coming out. So maybe they've really improved it a lot. Well, just go on your you iPhone. Know. They've got. I, I like I like it all, but still, it you know, and I've I've tried all that stuff, but I just. Well, I can't either. I, I, just, I maybe I'm too old to enjoy it. John, I had the Axe effects over I, my you know, house. I, look, I, I spent it. the entire afternoon practicing. Imagine how stupid I. Am. <laughs> I, I wish I could. John, tell me, t talk to me about um, your relationship with Jim Kelly and how did how did you guys get together? Um, I I owned. We were a, a dealer for Kellys, and actually, I sold uh, Mark Knopfler his Kellys that they used on one of their tours. On um, Rudy was just a dealer, and it's just a very pristine. It's it's just a real organic natural amp. I mean, no master volume, yep. so it's it's not quiet. Uh, Jim is a bass player, and um, I I don't. I mean, he's built some overdrive amps, but that's really not his thing. He likes EV speakers. Right. I, I like the Kelly into a four by twelve with greenbacks. It's just I always seem to go back to that. Yeah. And Chinese greenbacks at that. Um, yeah, me too. That's funny. Greenback or creamback? Green. Back. green. green back. But they make back. Greenback, they make a cream so. back. So there are creambacks yeah. and there are greenbacks. Yeah. So he was And which are better? It's, I like it's, better it's, myself. Personal choice. I yeah, I think I think it's what you get used to. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't like changing too many things at once. So I just to me the cabinet. Every stays. time I try to play through another speaker. It just sounds like something broke. <laughs> I can't get used to it. I can't get away from greenbacks. But so green so we were a dealer for Kelly. Yeah. Uh, we were a dealer for Kelly at Rudy's, and I bought his amps as well, and I played through them for a while. I did have some problems because the 6v6 is during that period, and um, 
Also, I think what happened is, is originally the Kellys, you know, it was a voltage thing. Right. Um, Kellys were designed at around 115 volts at the time, and then the voltages creeped up to 120, and so everything started running hotter. Um, but then um, JJ's uh, 6V6s now live very nicely in the Kelly. They can handle the voltages, so the voltages are not a problem anymore. But Kelly um, kind of... Uh, I don't know how many amps he made, but it wasn't a tremendous amount. And then he went on to work at, I think it was a UCI, uh, UC Irvine, um, in the um, physics lab, setting up test, you know, setups for students and things like that. And he just kind of gotten out of it. He just, uh, it's, it's not like he went away. He just wasn't building amps anymore. It's, you know, this the whole market, you know, of building amps and guitars is not as profitable as people imagine right. you know it, it really isn't um, and so and it's frustrating you know because you get you're dealing with guitar players and one yeah, of them I can't uh, believe you deal with guitar <laughs> you know, players you know well the, I'm I, sorry I think, mate I apologize what a on dumb, behalf of guitar what a players dumb business to go into <laughs> what the fuck were you well, thinking I John say, I can say I have not contributed <laughs> to one great era on John Sir's head uh, <laughs> I can say that, right? Is, is, yes, that's is true. Jim okay, Kelly good. from California? Is he is yeah. originally from here? Yeah, I think he's always been out here. Uh-huh. And, um, but what happened was, is when I was at Fender, um, one of the other guys there, another master builder, Mark Kendrick, um, we were talking about Kelly, and he goes, oh, Jim's a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I said, I'd love to talk to him. I haven't talked to him since, since I left New York. And... Um, <clears throat> So I got to talking to him a while, and I was just thinking, well, you know, are you still making amps? And he's like, no. He goes, I'm just working at the school. And and so when I when I had the new business, and when I started taking, I, I I did the custom audio amps, and and the preamp. And when I took that back from Bob Bradshaw, then I um I had more room to do things. So I to Jim was, well, why don't you let me make your amps if you're not going to make them? And so he actually worked with us for a while, and actually Jim did the um, he did the engineering on the reactive load. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I, I told him what I because he's like in the physics world, yep. and and I said, well, this is what I want. And and the funny thing is, is and I'm sure he'll admit to this. He kind of fought me on it. He says, well, it doesn't matter. He says you can just apply an EQ on it later, and you're going to get the same thing. And I said, I just don't think you're going to get the amp to feel like the amp unless it's seeing that that impedance curve yeah and um turned out to be hugely popular so boy you must have sold so many of those things i mean i i get we can't we can't make enough of them i get i get so many people you can't imagine like so many people and i feel really i'm so happy that i was able to help so many people by turning them on to your reactive we got so many emails about this i mean i mean just everybody on my message board they're like I live in an apartment. What the hell do I do? I want to make. I need to make this record. I need to record tracks. What should I do? And I just say, get an amp. Get an amp. Get your reactive load and a couple of IRs, and and you can. Record well, the, the only problem. Done, the only problem with it is it's just one piece of of a puzzle, and and if somebody doesn't know how to apply an IR to a track correctly without monitoring the input. Mm-hmm. 
they're going to hear fizz and they're going to think it's broken. I mean, I can't, yeah. it's, it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, of course. Because a lot of people will listen to the input yeah. when they're playing and they don't turn that off and they yeah. think they're going through the, yeah. and I'm like, well, turn down all the other tracks, you know, yeah. turn, turn down. Do you still hear something? It's like, because you still got the monitor on, right. you know? But, but now you guys make the next part. Is it is basically the the add on to that? Is that correct or not? Well, yeah, but it's not gonna. It, it's for the guy who wants to do that and doesn't want to screw around with IRs, right? You know, or computers. The, you don't even need a computer for using. Right. Or, yeah. You you right. could just you could also use the Ace. I mean, there are also IR boxes that you could load IRs into, but. Some people complain there's they hear a lag or they hear this or they hear yeah. that or they can't find the IR they like and they've gone through 50 of them. That's that's the problem with IRs is that there's so many out there. Um, the new Celestian ones are, are very good. Um, and also you've got the long ones and, and you've got short ones. And, you know, there are guys that swear that the long ones are... I'll take a long one anytime. <laughs> that's what she said. I don't want to ask you where. <laughs> but, you know, with the, with the reactive load, the thing is is that there's a, there are other reactive loads out there. and um, But we went through great lengths to make ours really pretty much nail, yeah. you know, the impedance curve of my favorite cabinet. There are also guys that go, well, that, that that means that it won't work if I've got my, if I want to use a Vox open back, you know, Jensen cabinet, you, don't you need to do an IR, a, a reactive load that models that cabinet? Technically, if that's really what you wanted, I guess, yeah, but it really doesn't seem to matter. We've, you know, because the other reactive loads that I've measured really don't properly mimic the cabinet and, and you are talking about little degrees of eq yeah. like okay theirs doesn't sound quite as fat you could boost the base you're still going to get a decent response and but you know they're and reactive loads are really nothing new i mean um they've been out for years i just don't think anybody's really kind of put the effort into trying to make them well, yours is amazing i mean i you, the last little thing i did over at my house with adam stark and we were comparing the mic cabinet to the reactive load and, and that great Celestian IR. And we were just like, I said, Adam, I, I really can't believe what I'm hearing or feeling right now. And I just give the guitar to him and, and, you know, compare it, you know, you play a little while with the, with the real speaker and the microphone and everything. And then you switch it over to the reactive load and the IR and you don't hear or feel any difference. It's amazing. Yes. And I go, and, and if there's any difference at all, it's not the feel. Yeah. It's the sound just simply because probably with my speaker cabinet, I'm not just hearing the speaker cabinet, but I'm hearing the room. You know, the room is coming back into the mic in some way that, you know, where they where their IR of maybe the same exact speaker, they did it in a different room. So, of course, it's going to sound a little bit different. The ambience is different. But if you listen to it in the track, it's it's it's, it's amazing. It's I I wish I wish I had this shit when I was growing up. I wish I had any of this shit when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, because because I, mean, I was playing in a club band, you know. Yeah. So you know, as as an, as you guys as original artists, I think it's easier than playing in a club band. When you're playing in a club band, it's like, gosh, you know, you gotta play Pat Benatar one second and Van Halen the next, yeah. and it's just a clusterfuck. Well, if, sorry for 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 me, like the big thing for me was 
instead of because when I had to do what I had to do to make it uh, uh, to make it possible for me to play at home was I had to spend about four thousand dollars you know for for them to come over and take out my windows and wall up the windows with stucco and put in a split what do they call those things split air conditioners yeah. well, it's not a wall air conditioner that, but like the air, that one there. exactly just like that one so that the air conditioner is outside and the only thing that comes into the wall is just a little pipe that big kind of like an inch big which blows air into the room because i went over to my neighbor's house who was complaining calling the police on me and i looped something and i went over to his house and i went i am so sorry like you, you know, I'm stuff. like, I, I'm sorry, stuff. you know, like, I, I wouldn't <laughs> live with this, you know, I, I apologize up and down, I will fix this, and I spent the money, and I and I did it, and, and, and I spent a lot of money, and then I went over to his house and looped the same thing, and he goes, man, thank you so much. You're now And now he misses your playing. No, he's, you know, he can still hear me, he says, he, said, he buys you would, your albums. If you would just be good enough to stop around 11 o'clock when we go to sleep. <laughs> Be fine, you know. During the night, we, it's so soft that it wouldn't bother us at all. Just stop around eleven or twelve, and everything's fine. But when I think about it, I could have spent uh, however much money his load box cost. <laughs> Get the reactive bucks, load. <laughs> two hundred, three hundred bucks on that. Headphones. Uh, um, headphones and like uh, you know nine dollars for the Celestian <laughs> greenback pack, <laughs> and I would have saved four thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, besides that, before I know because we we're getting late into it on that, but um, the Jim Kelly amp, did you guys did you guys change that when no. you you started building it, right? Yeah, I started building it, and and Jim actually came to work with us um, for a while, uh, and so just so we could make sure that we nailed every component, because it was important to me to keep the was it was it crazy different did you look at his amp and when you were working with him was it like oh wow this is so different to what i would have done or was it just well yeah it it is i mean because i i grew up in in the 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 day of high gain and 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 i didn't like to use i hate pedals you know i really hate pedals so anything i do with my pedals i'm trying to make them not sound like a pedal right you know, and I, I want them to sound like a good overdrive channel is what is what my goal is. But so the Kelly doesn't have a master volume. It's it's just organic and pure. Um, it's a so it's a great pedal lamp. It, it I don't know. It's it depends what pedal you're using. Right. Okay. You know, it it does have a lot of brilliance. So like when I run a Kelly personally, I like to pull the treble pot the bright. But then I turn the treble down to like three. Yeah. Um, I don't think I pull the presence when I use it. It's it's got an, a pretty active EQ section. That's one unique thing about it. You'll find when you turn the treble and the bass, it's not just like oh I think I can hear something. It's like wow that made a big difference. But it's it's a very chimey original sounding amp. It's um, and you've got it to try out. I kn- I'm super excited. You know what I I got to have lunch with. John and Jim really one time and it was like I was kind of starstruck because you know it was Jim Kelly and I like I've heard a lot We're about not, him he I, wasn't the guy such that, a nice cat the quarterback the Buffalo no uh, <laughs> it was really nice four Super Bowls without winning George Blanda's father uh, Fender uh, he, he was a was it was the Blanda 
was a football uh, player? I'm not. Yeah, yeah. George Blanda was a quarterback and a kicker. Yeah, uh, George Blanda was the head of R and D at Fender. That was his father. Oh, it was his father. Yeah. Really? Just reminded me of a great John Sir salesmanship story where he had a guy on the phone and he asked him. <laughs> So what's that new riot pedal sound like? And John said, uh, wh whoever's playing it. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, super salesmanship. Well, this, this is this, it's true. this is my favorite when I'm I'm listening to Bob Bradshaw on the phone, and I guess the guy said, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, oh, I know, is this guy used to call us like every every week, and he disguised his voice because we his name was Hank, and we go. Hank, you know, we've it's no different than what we told you last week. It's really about Eddie's hands. It's not about his amp. You know, it's like if you get this amp in this cabinet and, and you do this and you play like Eddie, you're going to get there. But he disguised his voice. And finally, Bob picked up the phone. I'm like, Bob, it's, it's Hank again. And he goes, ah. And I'm listening to Bob and he goes, why don't you get your own tone, man? <laughs> <laughs> Because the guys go, I, I want to get Eddie Van Halen's tone. But uh, all right, a good, this brings up a good question: What pisses you off about guitar players? Oh. Come on, you got to be honest. You got to be straight up with what. I think I need more. So scotch. fucking annoying. I already know. He's already told me. Well, tell really? us. What pisses me off about guitar players? What do we miss? What don't we get? What are we so fucking annoying about? Besides this podcast. <laughs> Besides I want super low action with no buzzing. <laughs> well, there's one. That's good. That's a good Who one. doesn't want that? Is, is and big the, toe. Anything else that jumps one, out yeah. is just like, oh, for fuck's sakes. You know, I, I think maybe I'm a lot more forgiving than I used to be. I think things used to piss me off a lot. Oh, then go really? back in time. Go back in time? <laughs> well, what John told me, I'll just tell you what he told me. Oh, no. Okay. That, that he says, but this is this is coming from a, the perspective of a guy who's trying to please <laughs> somebody somebody who's who he's directly working with. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like a guitar player, like just, okay, there's a bunch of guitar players out in the world. This is a guy that's coming to my shop and asking me to do stuff for him, Right. And if a guy doesn't know what he wants, and he's got to be the guy that's trying to find out what he wants, I imagine that's got to be a huge, big pain in the ass. And from what I've heard from John, I can't mention names, but there have been guys who have, who have come to the, to, the, to the shop and said, make me this, so John makes him this, and then he says, well, I hate it. And then, we'll change it to this. Well, I like this. This is it. But then he comes back a week later and says, I hate this too. <laughs> and, then, and it just goes on and on week after oh, week, man. month after month. Mm. And you can never please the guy. Cause every well, time, what was that guitarist's name? I think that what, you know, I, I wish guys wouldn't, wouldn't change their gear so much and they would learn how to, you, to, you, to, to, to get what that instrument does and, and use it and play instead of chasing You're dragons. You're sounding like Bruce right now, John. I don't know why, but... <laughs> well, you know, I don't mind selling guys guitars because they buy and sell all day long, but I think that gas and ass have taken over the environment. You know, right. amp, amp acquisition syndrome and guitar acquisition syndrome. You know, they just... I think that a lot of guys are in love with the idea of buying shit. And I think that is kind of annoying because I'm trying to make an instrument that you're going to make music with 
and I'm trying to make it to your to what will work for you. But I think that that too many people tend to blame the tools. But didn't you blame the tools when you're yeah up? yeah I did yeah but and you that's know actually but, what but, set you in you know, exactly trajectory. but but the difference yeah. is is that. I realized I was a pain in the ass, and 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 I basically, I basically said that I'm just I'm just going to have to do it myself but because. Why am I making you different? I didn't realize I'm a pain in the ass. Right. Well, then, then if you're gonna if, if you're gonna be a, a pain in the ass, I'd say then build your own guitar. Right. You you mm -hmm. see what what it's like. I I think, I think it's just that people. My, I've created my own, I'm my own worst enemy because it's, it's like when I went to Japan once and uh, they, they can get so picky. I mean, if there's a ripple in the chrome plating on the neck plate, they just go bonkers. It's, oh, look at this. This is a no good. This is not, not sir quality. I'm like, it's chrome plating on a neck plate. I don't even do it. I buy it. You know, it's like, it's a neck plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, and, but so, so I, I go there and That's I'm like an tone. wiping out in the street. I, I think that girl probably died. You know, she was just like, I just, I'll never forget the guy when, that I saw die. I mean, I just, one minute he's driving along like, and he wasn't even speeding, you know, he's going like around 35, 40 miles an hour. And the next minute he's dead. Boom. Yeah, I see a like, guy. I like saw a just, guy. Just he hit. He did the same thing that I did, but he was on a Harley and he couldn't stop. And the the carpool lane had stopped, and he didn't see it in time and just. I had to lock up my Harley once, and those bikes are are fun and nice, but they're heavy and they yeah, don't stop. That ain't stop. No, I skidded. <laughs> I was like a car pulled out in front of me. That was a frightening experience. What do you mean they don't stop? They the skid. Well, it's a mass. It's so big. Oh, because it's so big. Yeah, I, I could stop my sport bike, my ZZR 1200, I could stop it on the front brake, you know, and it stops quick. But a Harley, you got to lock it up and yeah, you just. Yeah, so much mass moving. You it's can't stop it's it. like trying to stop a car, basically. Or an elephant, you know, or a railroad. With dated brakes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not. Holy uh, shit, it's scary, man. Yeah, my days yeah. are done. Yeah, yeah. And, and just losing my brother just kind of went. I went. I right, you know what? what? I'm a little too old to break bones. What What was his? How did he? They don't know. Uh, really? He was riding with a friend, and they were like, I think he was in Virginia on a nice day, country road. He's not. He wasn't a crazy driver or anything. He was responsible. Yeah. And um, you know, you know what it's like if you. Maybe what happened is he took his. He, it happened at a curve. So maybe he took his eye off the ball for a second, and they, they found him sitting up against a tree, and they just said it looks like he died on impact, and he just hit the tree. But it could have been a deer. It could have been a lot of things. Yeah. His, he was riding with a friend, and the guy turned didn't see him, turned around, and just found him dead. And did the friend live? Yeah, he didn't wipe out. He, he, they, were, they were riding together, and... When, oh, the, when the guy did, yeah, when exactly, he wasn't on brother's bike. I see. But when he turned he around to find him, the bike was on one side of the road. And my brother was looked like he was sleeping next to the tree. Whoa! Wow. So we we never know what happened. We never knew what happened. Wow. I was kind of a little bit annoyed uh, because I was like, why didn't somebody do an autopsy? Because you know, yeah, right. If it's something genetic or that I need to know about. 
And I still have a sister. Wow. Scary, man. Yeah. But yeah, it's better. It's better to. Fucking scary. It's my, especially my wife won't let me get back on the bike. Yeah. Troy, so what happened to your bike? Is it total? Done. Done. I didn't think it was that the the handlebars were snapped off it, and so it's a it's a loss insurance wise i guess it you don't have to do a lot to a bike before they just ride it off because uh-huh. you know there's too much too many variables i guess you uh-huh. know if shit goes wrong too but to yeah. you bend the frame or something it's toast yeah. uh-huh. but it was a, a great ducati monster i had and i fucking wow. loved it and i i had you want a husky te 610 sorry you want a husky you don't want nothing why don't you get a moped? I'm, I'm done. I guess I'm done. But it it does. It feels like I'm breaking. Well, how about a go-ped? Do you, do you ever have go-peds? No, but I heard that joke about a moped, but I'm not supposed to tell it on the podcast or all the people accuse me of being Bruce Foreman. Yeah, so. What? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell it. You tell it. You tell it. What Bruce? is it? What's the similarity between a moped and a fat girl? <laughs> what? They're fun to ride, but you don't want your friends seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> he told him. I dared him to tell it, and he told it. What are you talking about? No fat chicks listen to this show anyway. What are you talking about? Come on. <laughs> no chicks at all listen. <laughs> yeah, no chicks at all listen. Much less any fat ones. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Johnson, thank Mr. you Johnson, so much, sir. It was really... Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. Really cool. Thank you so much. And you I, so I much. hope I did not piss no, off my customers. Call 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 don't we need... Don't we st- done. Done. I just want to know if you'll come to my gig and tweet I need less customers. Can we talk about religion and politics? We usually... We get one email. We get one email. In fact, I haven't said anything about Trump this What's the point? There's no point anymore. There's no point anymore. I haven't said it. How do you like him now? They like They still don't get it. Have you seen that? Have you seen that thing in the internet where they say, uh, "Tell us one word if, if you ask one word about to describe Trump." It's pretty entertaining. <laughs> look at look it up. It's got to be funny, man. Controversy is interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's why I play such controversial music. Let let me and, end. And you know, uh, I've been meaning to talk to you. About <laughs> yeah, let me let me end. Let me end this podcast with a short, uh, very short story. It. We ended um, it. Oh, okay. Then we ended it. Uh, no, it's still going. Go. Okay. Well, John has always told me ever since I've known him, because I like to, to solder myself. I'm a little bit of a solder sniffer. Uh, <laughs> I can do. And I can do. I can do amp work if it's not too hard. So John always tells me, <laughs> always unplug the amp and, you know, touch it to ground. Let it sit for 15 minutes before you work on it. Blah, touch, blah, touch blah. Touch what to ground? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Be yeah, careful. Whatever, John. I, I don't say that. Right. He always tells me. Just stick your finger this, in the, in the high that, voltage and then this. touch ground. So, so one time I'm over at his shop and he's working on my amp and it's plugged in. <laughs> and I hear this. <laughs> and I smell this awful smell, <laughs> and it's the fucking—it's the hair on his arm is burning. <laughs> well, you know <laughs> it just, that. It, well, you sometimes you got—you've got to work 
you got to work on the amp live. Sometimes you can't help it. But Brad, <laughs> Bob Bradshaw used to call me Sparky because <laughs> because one I, this this is no shit. My wife gave me this like Colombian chain and it like had this little like guy like a guy with a cane or something you know it was like a little gold gold charm or whatever right. and she gave me this chain so i wore this chain and uh because you know whatever your wife gives you you better wear <laughs> but so i'm working on this amp and i it, it was it was a marshall and it probably had a good 500 volts dc in there but it's not the voltage that kills you it's the current luckily so it's um, I'm in there and I don't know what I did, but it kicked me so hard I pulled my hands off, and I was I almost blacked out and the amp was in my lap. It, it was a Marshall and it was in my lap and I'm like what the hell, and I I felt the pain in my chest and I thought I thought I had a heart attack or something, and I looked. And where this guy's balls were, were blown <laughs> off. It arced. It arced from the gold chain to my chest. Oh, fuck. Whoa. And literally, there was a black mark on my chest, and this guy's <laughs> balls were blown off. So be careful when you work inside the amps. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> John, you all right? Are you all right, Drew?